he made a phone call to someone and said, yeah, get in the car. I'm somewhere you can go. And so we got in the car and we drove up to the Hollywood Hills, beautiful mansions, pulled up in front of a house. And the guy said to me, this is the house you can stay in. You can even drive this car in exchange for sex. Welcome to L.A. Real life starts now. This is Real Life Radio Show with On Leg. I felt alone. I felt lost. I felt scared. Real stories. I was so desperate in living such a dark and callous life. Real people. I was thinking there was no purpose for my life. There's no reason for me to be here. Real problems. I told my dad, if you try to take these drugs, I'm going to kill you. One solution, God. Hope is a person, and his name is Jesus. And now your host, On Leg. Hi, this is Evangelist John Lay. Welcome to the Real Life Radio Show, where we're going to talk about real people who had real problems, but found answers and a real God. And before we start, I need to advise you, we will be talking about real life stories that are sexual in nature, so listener discretion is advised. Today, we're going to be talking about the reality and difficulty of the life of someone who was sex trafficked right here in America. Today, we're going to have Kate Waddell, who had dreams of being famous in Hollywood for her music, but ended up being sex trafficked and eventually living a horrible life riddled with drugs, abuse, and prostitution. Kate, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you. Thanks for having me. Kate, it is such a pleasure to have you on our show. Seriously, super thank you for coming onto the show and being willing to talk about real life here and share very personal experiences in your life. So thank you. Before all of this started, I understand you're growing up in a family that was a little unbalanced, where your mom was a Christian trying to bring you up in that way, but then your dad was an alcoholic. That must have been very difficult. Tell us some of your experiences as a young child in your family. Well, my dad had been a veteran of World War II, so like many of those men that served our country when they came home, suffered from PTSD and had a lot of their own trauma, and he was an alcoholic. So there was a lot going on in our home. There was my mom who was bringing us up in the way of going to church and knowing who God is and just remember really wanting my dad to be a part of that with us. But he never went with us to church except for maybe if it was, you know, the holidays. And I can remember just hanging and clinging onto his arm, being so happy that he would go to church with us on occasion. I was the youngest and I remember, you know, even at an early age, seeing the chaos in the home and seeing the fights and the things that would go on and One of my earliest memories is of my mom getting a phone call late at night, and it was a bar, and they were calling her to tell her to come and pick him up. And so she put me in the back of the car, and we drove downtown. I'm from Albany, Georgia, and it was a little place downtown, and she said she had to go get him and for me just to wait right there. I just remember looking out the door at night and seeing the marquee over the door where she went. At the time, it didn't register to me, but it just looked to me like this was a fun place to be. It must be where the party's at, and that must be where he wants to be. And this is where he is when he's not with us. Mm -hmm. And that sign over the door was a martini glass with a nude lady in it. Mm -hmm. So that was my exposure to seeing anything like that, the sex industry. And a year later, my father died, and he died in our home. And that night, I remember there was some fighting and my mom defending herself. And then 
I remember everyone crying and then the EMTs taking him out. And so for a young five-year-old, that's a lot to take in. And I wasn't really sure what was going on, even though I probably did know in my little spirit that this was very bad. But I had decided that for all the information I had, that he had probably faked his death to get away from us and that he was just trying to have another lifestyle. I knew he was a very talented jazz musician, you know, and then I put together this lifestyle of the party atmosphere, the clubs, Mm. you know, the neon, the strip club. This must be what he desires more than our family. Growing up, I knew realistically he had passed away as I got older, but not going to the funeral or having any closure. My perception was that, that he's not really gone and that one day I'll see him again. And I pursued a music career later in life in some ways as kind of looking for him you know, hoping to really get his approval, whether he was here or not. Ah, that is so hard. I mean, to lose your father at such a young age, I'm sure you were in a state of denial as a young girl. You know, and sometimes a lot of people get like this, where someone loses someone, they can get in a state of denial that the person isn't really dead, but that could be found again one day, like you'd see that person again one day. And it sounds like that must have been something you were going through. Is that right? Mm Mm-hmm. That's right. That's right. As you got older, I understand you got into a band and then you began using drugs. Deep inside, why do you think you started using the drugs? Well, I think, you know, everyone starts out just wanting to see what it's about. But the truth is, it becomes a source of numbing out and a way to disassociate from whatever pain you're feeling, whatever disappointment that you have, maybe for yourself, for your life, where you're at the goals and dreams that you have aren't coming true or you haven't seen them. And a lot of times that's when people turn to drugs. I know I did. I turned to them just to completely disassociate. You know, it started out just having a good time with friends, but after a while you're doing drugs by yourself, then it's just completely to disassociate. Mm -hmm. You know, I started out with doing cocaine and then I started smoking crack later lacing our joints with angel dust. Mm -hmm. So you're in a band as one of the singers and you end up in Hollywood. But something happened horrible that changed your life in a very negative way. What happened? So I came to Hollywood to pursue music. I had been on the road for a year with the band as a lead singer. And then I left that band. I decided to leave because it had gotten so bad, my drug abuse. And I thought if I make a change and I really go after a career, the things I really want, I can stop wasting my time and stop these habits. And I thought it would be that easy. And so I got on a plane, came to Hollywood, and I knew one person out here that I had worked in the music business with. And I called him and I said, hey, I'm finally here. Can I come stay with you? Can you get me? And he was in a session at his studio and he said, I can't leave right now, but take a cab. And so I had no idea from LAX to Hollywood what a cab would cost. And I think I had $80 to my name and it cost all of that to get there. And he said, well, you can stay with me for the night, but we're going to look for something else for you. Or you can stay with me until we find something, but we'll start working on that. And so sounded pretty good until the next morning when his girlfriend showed up and saw me sleeping on the couch and she said, this is not going to happen. So you have to get rid of her. And, you know, that was important to him, his relationship over a friend. And so he made a phone call. What I didn't put together at the time was that a lot hadn't changed and we were drug buddies. We used to party together a lot. And just the fact that he was now in Hollywood, I thought, 
you know, he's made it, he's doing great, and now he's going to help me. But really, it was just the same old, same old. And he made a phone call to someone and said, yeah, get in the car. I have somewhere you can go. And so we got in the car and we drove up to the Hollywood Hills. This was all new to me. Beautiful mansions and pulled up in front of a house and someone came outside, a guy. They talked for a minute and then I watched them exchange an eight ball of cocaine. And then he looked at me and he said, bye, I'll see you later. And he got in the car and drove off. And the guy said to me, okay, this is where you can stay. This is the house you can stay in. You can even drive this car in exchange for sex. Welcome to LA. And in that moment, I felt paralyzed. I wasn't sure what to do, but I knew that I had no money. I had too much pride and shame to call home. In fact, I had called on family many times and, you know, they had helped me in the past, but I knew that I had gotten myself in too deep this time. So in my mind, I'm thinking, well, you've done it for free. Just suck it up, you know, buck up and deal with this. You got yourself into it. So I lived with this guy for a few months, you know, basically his property. And I was out one day and I saw some girls at lunch. I went over to talk to them and was always looking for an angle. I was always looking for a way to get a job or for a way to break into the business. And everyone in LA is doing something, even the waitresses. Everyone's in the business. That's what it seemed like to me. These girls were beautiful and had nice clothes. And they told me about their job and they said, you can just come and work with us. Come audition. We can get you a job and you know, look like the glamorous life. So I thought it's better than what I'm doing. And they even agreed, you don't have to work for somebody else. You can work for yourself. Oh my gosh. And just a secret reveal for our audience. I understand that that place that they were telling you to work was a strip club. Yes. So let's stop there. And Kate, I want to have you on our next show and talk about the reality of what you went through next as a stripper. So Kate, thanks so much for joining us today on our show. Sure. Let's talk more right after the break. Real Life is made possible this week with the help of On Fire Merchant Services and our Awakening the Nation's monthly giving partners. If you own your own business taking Visa and MasterCard, call and get a quote from On Fire Merchant Services. On Fire Merchant Services is on fire to serve you. Look them up at onfiremerchantservices.com or call them at 877-333-6682. That's onfiremerchantservices.com or 877-333-6682. Real Life Radio is a ministry of Awakening the Nations, a 501c3 nonprofit organization that depends on your donations. If you would like to find out more about Awakening the Nations or make a tax-deductible donation, please visit our website at awakeningthenations.com or call us at 877-480-4477. That's awakeningthenations.com or 877-480-4477. More real life starts now. Welcome back to the show where we're going to go deeper into what you just heard. What do you think about this? Well, I learned how unresolved emotional pain and turmoil in the life of a young girl can lead to such a trap. And this is tracing back to the pain she had in her young life with the turmoil that happened at home, and that she found drugs was a good way to mask that inner pain. And later on, she was a well-meaning girl looking to become famous in the music industry. But what was interesting to me is that later on, the drugs are the very thing that betrayed her. Well, I mean her drug friend. And then when confronted with an inappropriate situation at this rich guy's mansion, where she didn't know that she was being traded for a ball of cocaine, instead of running, she allowed herself to just go with it. 
It's almost like it was a perfect setup and a complete trap that was open and ready to swallow her alive. And that trap is pure evil. And no wonder why Jesus says things like this in Luke 16, 15. He says, For what is highly esteemed among men is an abomination in the sight of God. In the light of what Jesus says, it makes sense because here's this vulnerable girl looking to fulfill her dreams and the lure of the mansion, the hope of the fame, the fortune was all an abomination in the sight of God. Why? Because it was a trap for her. You see, what made Kate able to be trapped is that she believed in a lie and the lie was that she felt like, well, might as well. I mean, I'm already being with other guys. I might as well do this. You know, I have a chance. And this is all relatable. Because I know maybe even right now, you may be or have dealt with something where you have felt like you've been dealt a hand in life and that you have no other way except to compromise. My friend, if that's you, this is a lie and it's a trap. So Father God, I'm praying for the person right now who's saying, gosh, this is me. Yes, it's not in a moment of human trafficking, but there's a moment where I felt like I was dealt a hand in life and that I am trapped And that I just had to make this wrong decision. But Lord, right now, we surrender that to you, Lord God. And Lord Jesus, we ask you to come in our lives to help make things right. We ask for this in Jesus' mighty name. Hope you're blessed by this testimony. And I know that your life was touched. Did you know we have a Facebook page? Just search for Real Life Radio Show on Facebook and find out more about Real Life Radio guests, schedules, and events. That's Real Life Radio Show. See you next time.